0: You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network.
1: Hi folks, and welcome to episode 26 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, the show for October 2015. I'm your host, Bart Buschatz. Joining me this month, I have a fabulous panel, as always. Um, first, from the, somewhere in the United States, on the East Coast, I think, because he's five hours away, we have the wonderful Chuck Joyner. Hi, Chuck. Hey, Bart. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure to have you on again. I think it's been a little while since we've heard your dulcet tones.
2: It has. It has. The schedules just didn't seem to work out, but now the planets have aligned, and here we are.
1: Yeah, I think you were going all sorts of cool places, and then, yeah, this whole time zone thing sucks. But anyway, yeah. it's great to have you back.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Uh, also joining us, although from the opposite side of Ireland to that, we have Gazmaz from the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Hi, Gaz. <laughs> yes, good evening, Bart. How are you? I am doing just fine, thank goodness. Uh, and then also from the United Kingdom, dot, 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 we have Nick Riley back with us. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bart. It's good to be back on again. Always a pleasure to have you guys. Okay, so October has been and gone, so we have a whole batter of Apple news. Uh, Before we kick into the story stories, let's start with some notable numbers. So, Infidium, who are a company what develop apps for mobile devices in general, released a blog post with the rather... um, What's the word? Uh, Not evocative. um, Provocative headline. Android development is 30% more expensive than iOS, and we have the numbers to prove it. Uh, These guys make their money doing this, so... I guess, you know, they know what they're talking about, so they've broken it down into stuff like hours of work. They've broken it down into lines of code, all the different metrics. And they basically say that it costs them more money to do Android apps because it's more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: okay. Does, 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 does this surprise anybody? No.
2: No, not really
0: and and also um they're probably going to actually make less money out of those apps if they are looking to make a, a business out of them as well so
1: well that is true because we've had a lot of stories in this section of the show over the years basically saying that apple people spend money and android people don't so your android business model is usually let's slap a batter of ads into it which i guess it's a very googly model so yeah it's interesting i guess it goes some way to explaining why despite the fact that there are Physically, many more Android devices on this planet than iOS devices. Apps are not coming out for Android first and then iOS as an afterthought. They continue to come out as iOS first and Android as a as a second or even third tier platform, depending.
0: Well, there's a, there's a story going around at the moment as well that um, isn't it. Facebook they they want more of their in-house developers to be on. Um, android phones because they're not making <laughs> they've, uh, through a choice most of them have got um iphones so they're not developing quite as um well as that they they perhaps should be for the uh, the um android facebook applications
2: yeah, yeah. The, the quote quote i heard was that uh i, I forget whoever the vice president was or whomever <laughs> sent down this edict uh was that left to their own devices people will Default to the iPhone.
0: Yes.
1: It's like, yeah. They okay, need they eat their own dog food, and unfortunately, no one's eating the Android dog food.
2: Well, there's maybe a reason for that.
1: Yep. You know, Inferior devices, which are insecure by design.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I do have to wonder if this has something to do with the way that um, Apple developed Swift that it, it as 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 a as a serious project not as an afterthought not as an open source project yeah. but with somebody specifically steering steering things
0: hmm. possibly i i have heard a different story behind the <laughs> the reasoning for swift
1: <laughs> okay well, do uh, lightness s- security ah um, okay yeah that, that that yeah that's a good reason because Objective C. This whole concept of bad guys being able to use private APIs—that's because Objective C sucks. Yeah, because yeah. in any other language, if I want something to be private, you can't get at it if I don't give you access to it. But in Objective C, if you guess the name of the function, ta-da! The app will—it'll—you it, can run it. Yeah. So yeah, that—that's a good reason to start getting rid of Objective C. Apart from the fact that it is the most evil-looking code on the planet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we're off. But we're off topic, and I really don't want to spoil your show. But
1: no, that's true. It's a bit early to be going this far off topic. So yet another interesting data point as to why, despite its market popularity, Android continues not to be first for apps in general. Uh, two of the next two stats very much relate to each other, and um, they both come out of this partnership between IBM and Apple. So every employee in IBM has is allowed to choose a Mac now, and that didn't used to be the case. So of the people who choose Macs, about 5% contact or require technical support. Of the people who choose Windows, 40% require technical support within IBM. So this is kind of, at first glance, you would say, ah, clearly the Mac is obviously the easier to use OS, and therefore these statistics exist. But I've sort of been thinking about this, and maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe there's a selection effect. Maybe the power users are selecting the better OS, and, of course, the power users, no matter what OS you put them on, would be contacting support less often.
0: Yeah, that's a good shout, I think.
2: And, again, is this a surprise? We've been hearing stories like this, especially out of the educational market, for, for a long, long, long time.
1: Yes. I, and it, Yeah. You no, know, you're right. It, it's something I, th- I see in my day-to-day life as well, that the people who choose to buy Macs are not the people who are constantly onto the help desk asking how they open the email.
0: And I I have to say that there's probably some relevance in the figures, but the difference probably is not the 35% that we're seeing here. If it was a true Hmm. flexion, it would probably be – I would expect it still to be – there's still to be a difference, but perhaps not um, the the size difference we have here.
1: Yeah, so basically it's a two-factor thing. One factor is the selection effect, and the other factor is an easier-to-use OS. It'd be interesting, yeah, because you can't... The only way you could actually test that would be to randomly assign people an OS. So then you would have a, a new factor, which is crankiness. Because <laughs> <laughs> while I would be very cranky to be assigned a Windows machine, I know Windows users who would be equally as cranky to be assigned a Mac. So the other thing that comes out of this is that, although we all think of Macs as being expensive compared to PCs, every PC swapped for a Mac is saving IBM $270. Because you also have to take into account these kind of not in the box costs. So, together, they're interesting statistics. Yeah. A uh, v- very good argument for people who would like to have a Mac at work and keeping told it's expensive.
0: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I said that the, um, uh, uh, the Mac stock last year, it, it's all about total cost of ownership. And I think mm. Mac owners tend to know the value of the total cost of ownership of um, owning one of uh, these uh, these devices. Yes.
1: Okay, any, any other thoughts on these uh, little statistics before we move on? I, I'm just, I, I, sorry, go ahead, Nick.
3: Uh, I was just going to say I'm very wary of percentages. <laughs> okay. without, knowing, without knowing what those figures mean, it might mean that they've got 20 people who use Macs, and one of them uh,
0: has had to contact technical support. <laughs> And it could be because he dropped it. Well,
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A company the size of IBM, though, with this program has been running for a while now. I think we can assume the numbers are not that low. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it is. uh, Yeah, it's yeah. Percentages without numbers is dangerous. Yes, that is a very good point.
2: And I, I can't help but go back in history just a touch mm-hmm. and think of all the stories we used to hear. You, you don't hear as much now for whatever reason, but all the stories you used to hear about the work that a lot of the work that really got done at Microsoft was done on Macs. Ooh, I mean that's you know that that's been that's been years and years ago. And now IBM, you know, after all this time, is is publishing these kind of statistics. And you know, even even if that's a nice wide gap even if that Mm. gap is half half it still is pretty impressive even even if a pc swap for a mac saves ibm only 135 dollars, it's still pretty impressive if you scale it to what you would think it would scale to at an organization that size
1: to be honest if it came to parity given the uh, the higher hardware costs i i still think it'd be fantastic because then the argument would be well just buy the employee the computer they want it costs the same. But being able to say you can buy them the better computer and save yourself money is, is a very powerful argument.
2: Yeah. And you, you control the situation as opposed to the, the, the bring your own device movement.
1: Ah, see, we've moved on is, from that, Chuck. There's a new acronym doing the rounds now. Oh, there is? What's that? Oh, COPE. Corporate Cope? Owned Personally Enabled. <laughs> So in other words, the corporation buy you the machine you would like and you are then free to use it for your own stuff too. The hope being that at the weekend you'll open up the laptop and do some work. So, um,
2: could, could you send a, that in, to an email in my boss? Uh, maybe you can help me justify a Mac Pro. Uh,
1: well, it, it, the argument for it actually comes about because if it's a personally owned laptop that has company data on it, that has data protection issues, it has all sorts of issues, it's actually easier the other way around. So the company owns the machine where the company data is and you just get to do your stuff too. So it's, it's, it's an interesting development. That's now the whole big do-ha and the whole Gartner carry-on. Cope. Yeah. So BYOD dead, cope now. Okay, I'm going to jump us on to the legal news. So the on, yeah, the ongoing saga of the ebook price-fixing case, which refuses to die, is not yet dead. So the bottom line here in the first story is that the monitor is no longer going to be at apple now how he ended up being removed is a bit convoluted so the department of Justice, okay so initially the judge ruled that there will be two years which could be extended if needed so he's now been there two years believe it or not we have been talking about this for that long uh so the two years are now up and the u.s department of justice asked the judge to do nothing and thereby he would expire and thereby he would leave and so she did So that's how he got gone. Uh, Meanwhile, Apple have, as expected, petitioned the US Supreme Court to review the case because they still think that they were in the right and that uh, they were not actually in the wrong. And I, as we all know, agree. Any any other thoughts on this saga? So what's he actually
3: produced, this monitor? What what was his... I mean, we, we struggled to know what his purpose was.
1: Well, he was there to watch... So Apple were told they had to develop new procedures in-house to ensure they didn't do any antitrust stuff again. But but if there's no
3: result in the end, if there's no output...
1: Okay, well, the output is that the (laughs) DOJ say that Apple have procedures in place that should prevent it happening again. Yeah, right. So, yes, he has... The the I's have been dotted, the T's have been crossed. There are procedures. I'm sure there's lots of paperwork and people are very cranky. (laughs) Okay, um, less good news. Apple have lost a patent case to the University of Wisconsin. Um, It could cost quite a lot of money for... Well, okay, quite a lot of money for a normal corporation. Um, $862 million is what they're asking for. Uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison have licensing in chips. They say Apple is stepping on their chips. It's, It's... I just get the kind of feeling here that this University of Wisconsin, the, the Alumni Research Foundation, are sort of approaching that T word in their activities, but that may just be me.
2: Okay, I'll bite. What what's the T word?
0: Troll. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought this story was further down its root, to be honest with you, because I thought they were going to be almost awarded a much lower figure, but they were probably likely to be um, uh, awarded it. So perhaps I was cross-matching my uh, my legal stories.
1: Which Actually, was, sorry, right. it could be facing up to, so I guess we haven't quite figured out how much they do owe. Right. Okay.
0: Um, no, I don't think they're trolling, um, but I, I think, okay. you know, I've I've heard a, a, quite a lot of stories, especially in the US. The, the universities do get involved in this sort of stuff, and they do try and patent, you know, a lot of the um, the the stuff that comes out from from their students. I, th- I actually think I feel sorry for some of the students who come up with this stuff and have to leave it with the uh, um, with the universities. Um, I, this one will run, and I think it's isn't it. It's not just affecting Apple. Is that right? Did I? Well,
1: in this case, it is because it's about the A series of uh, chips.
0: Right. All uh, right. Okay.
1: Right. Fine, fine. They're they're probably suing um, other people too over the same patents, but this court case yeah. is about Apple.
0: Yeah, all right, Fine, fine. Um, yeah, I. At this stage, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say no, it's not the T word. And um, if um, <laughs> if they've got a case, then it'll go to court and they'll obviously get due recompense. Well, at the haven't. moment,
1: the jury has found that they do infringe. So I guess the next question is how much money they owe. Yeah. And the, the patent in question, in case anyone cares, is table-based data speculation circuit for a parallel processing computer. I knew that. Hmm. <laughs> no idea I what it means, and I have a degree in computer science. Not.
3: <laughs> I must admit, I was a bit confused by your title, Bart. I don't know if you've noticed. What have I put in the title? Paint, oops. A paint lawsuit, yes. I was, I was, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs>
1: update that to patent before publishing it to the nice people on the, uh, <laughs> on the internet. I thought of being sued, sued over, you know,
3: the, the, the rose gold or something, yeah.
1: Oh, that's true. Maybe someone else owned rainbow-coloured paint or something. Uh, (laughs) Paint lawsuit? That must be autocorrect. I blame autocorrect. I can't have been that silly. Sounds good. There we go. Command S. No one will ever know, apart from the fact that we just talked about it. And finally, in this section, we have another long-running story that appears to finally be tied up in a neat little package. Apple and GT Advanced have reached a deal on what to do with their outstanding debt of a little over $400 million. So, there's some stuff going to be sold off, and basically everyone gets to go their merry way. and I don't think anyone is coming out of it particularly happy, but at least it's over.
2: Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I'm kind of tired of this one.
1: I'm yeah, I'm tired of I'm, a lot of them, but especially this one. I just wish I had Sapphire on my iPhone, <laughs> apart from on the Touch ID sensor, I want it on my screen. Yeah, but they, yeah. Uh huh. I do. I, I don't think it's necessarily realistic as the screens get bigger. The cost of sapphireizing yes. them gets ever bigger too. I mean, it's, it's a lot of iPhone screens to one. Or sorry, a lot of Apple Watch well, screens a, to I, one iPhone. Wasn't
0: wasn't there a story about actually um, there was some problems with it as well? It wasn't quite the you know the um, the the, that, the wonder the material. Yeah, the you know the wonder material which was going to solve all ills of having to have glass. So didn't, uh, I re- didn't I?
2: Didn't I? Guess didn't I remember seeing something about its. Is it more? It's it's yeah. more chip resistant, but it's also more brittle.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. that's the sort of thing that I heard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can whack your keys off, but you can't drop it. Is that what you mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. Something, something, something like along, that along those lines. Yes, but yeah.
1: Well, the strange thing is, I've never damaged a phone by having something scratch it, but dropping it. Yeah, that's a good way to damage a phone. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: this is one of the. This is one of those things I have to wonder about just how much how much we were being sold on the idea of sapphire that oh it's this wonder material and it's going to solve all your problems and you know then then there are this there's this other camp that's just kind of cast doubts on that and says well it'll solve this problem but you get a new problem in exchange
1: yeah it was i don't think apple ever particularly hyped up the sapphire because they never even officially said they were trying to do it for iphones but the media went completely bonkers with it as soon as Apple announced the deal with uh, GT Advanced.
0: Yeah, no surprise there. Because
1: for all we know, the only thing Apple ever planned to actually use it for was the Touch ID sensor. The back of the, no, the, back of the camera lens is Ruby or something, isn't it? No, that's Sapphire too. No, that's Sapphire. It is Sapphire, Sapphire, yeah. And some of the expensive Apple watches are Sapphire. For all we know, that's all they ever planned to do. But we shall never know. Okay. Mm. Let us get on to main story number the first. I hate any story that it has the word gate in it. But we have a gate because we have a new <laughs> iPhone. Therefore, something must be wrong with it and there must be a scandal somewhere. And no matter how hard we dig, something must be found. So, Apple do something quite normal for their A9 chips, which are the chips that power these shiny new iPhones. They get them sourced from two different manufacturers because they kind of need a lot of them. And they need them quite quickly. So Samsung makes some of them and TSMC make others of them. And I presume because the different factories have different tooling and different techniques and different processes for making silicon, the two versions of the A9 are actually slightly different to each other physically in terms of their actual physical size as well as everything else. And someone decided to run these two chips through some benchmarking And if they chose their test very carefully, they could make the Samsung chip have 10% less battery life than the TSMC chip. And of course, the whole place went bonkers. Oh my god, if you have a 50 50 chance of having an iPhone that's like, you know, one tenth as much battery, or sorry, you know, one tenth less battery than everyone else, and this is a scandal, this is a scandal. And Apple very quickly went, uh, no, in the real world, the difference is on the order of a few percent, and that's entirely normal variance. Even within a manufacturer, there's variance between the chip they got on a Tuesday and the chip they got on a Wednesday. Uh, And then some other independent researchers did the same, as reported by people like Ars Technica. And then Consumer Reports did the same, and they also say that Apple's numbers are correct. So basically, there's no there there. It's just that two different people make the chips, and that's kind of normal.
0: Do you you know, Bart, I'd actually forgotten about this story until I saw it here?
1: No, maybe I shouldn't
0: have mentioned it. Well, no, (laughs) it's relevant because actually when it came out, it was massive. Mm. And since after about the first couple of weeks, it seems to have completely died down and now people have completely forgotten about it. So uh, it's not that you shouldn't mention it. I think, again, it just goes to show the hype that happens around the smallest thing. And it's all about getting click-throughs and sales for you know, those people that are creating those stories. Now, you're not doing that in this case because you're not going to make any money. Out of this, or very little, if you do make. Well, no, any because at this
1: all. is not this is not a for profit enterprise. No, but no, and it's... we're reporting
0: on it. But but I I must admit, as soon as I saw that, I thought, yeah, do you know it's funny that story has completely disappeared now. So people have suddenly realised, or um, you know, the, the industry has suddenly realised, and the industry being the reporting industry, has suddenly realised actually it doesn't really matter.
1: Well, they got to have their clickbait twice: once to say it's a problem, once to say it's not a problem. So. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Because both of them were very heavily reported. Um, what did strike me, and I didn't actually put it into the show notes, but there is a new Android phone that bends like bejesus. And that be- have you seen Bendgate for these Android phones? Because Yes. Yeah. But is it making a splash like last year's iPhones did? No. Uh, until you told me, I didn't know about it. No,
3: I've seen th- one story, that's all.
1: Yeah, I was tempted to put it in for Schadenfreude, but I decided not to.
2: Um. I think this is a great example though of uh, sometimes of of some of the geeks driving the stories hmm. that you know you you get as as geeks we all get just a little bit excited over you know this percentage or that percentage and in the real world use it for most people, it doesn't make that much, if any, difference. Now, if there had been some compatibility issues, if it had been ten or excuse me, twenty or thirty percent, yeah, then there's a story. But everybody's looking to you know for that to push it right to the edge. And if it's not exactly right to the spec, then they have a fit. And like you said, they they try to drive quick bait. They try to drive. Sites or people to their own sites, showing their tests. And Bart, I love the way you introduced it. You know, if they did the test just right, they could. You
1: know. Well, no, but that's it. You have to. I think it's a certain aspect of the GPU is a bit less efficient than one or the other. So if you only do that, you will then hammer the battery. But that's yeah. not how you use your phone. You don't sit there doing only that one thing the CPU can do. It's only when it, only when it's upside down and
3: you and you are suspended in a bowl of custard. Does Ooh, it custard. actually. Do that? <laughs>
0: And, and on a Friday. On a and Friday. You're and you're holding it wrong. And you're holding
1: it. <laughs> That's actually where all of this comes down to, because the, even the even the antenna gate wasn't really a gate, but there was a teeny tiny bit of there there, although not really very much at all. And since then, it just seems that if a new iPhone comes out, we have to find a new version of antenna gate.
3: Perhaps Apple in their next phone should put a
0: gate. <laughs> An that way it gate will work. definitely be a gate. <laughs> Well, actually, that's that's more pertinent, uh, Nick, than you <laughs> could realise. Oh, really? Well, there's a few <laughs> oh, yes. billion gates on I'm it. Thinking about, I'm thinking about the back-end
1: gate that the UK government are asking for. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that, yes. I haven't put that in yet because they haven't pulled the trigger yet. But no, I know, you, I if know. If you guys yeah. go and vote for that during this month, you Mr. MPs who are not listening to this podcast, we'll definitely be talking about it next month. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to jump us on to the obvious big story for the month, which is that it's one of the... Basically, a quarter has ended. It happens four times a year, so one-third of our shows have earnings calls, and this is one of those shows. So Apple's Q4 ended, well, a few weeks ago, which is why we now have the earnings call on it, because Apple's year doesn't match the calendar year. It's all very confusing. Anyway, this is the end of Q4 2015. So it is, of course, as always, a record quarter, and it wraps up a record year. Almost yawn worthy, but anyway, so their Q four revenue was fifty one point five billion dollars, which is up from forty two point one billion in the year ago quarter. Their earnings on the on that revenue is eleven point one billion dollars or one point nine six dollars per diluted share, which is up from a quote unquote mere eight point five billion dollars of profit last this quarter last year, or one hundred forty two per diluted share. Their annual revenue is a staggering, unbelievable $234 billion, which is up 28% from the year ago. That's a lot of money.
2: That's a lot of money, and they sell a lot of product.
1: I live in a country that I don't think our GDP is at that level. <laughs> like I, don't, I really don't think Ireland's GDP is 200 and something billion per year. It's quite astonishing. Uh, Apple are going to pay a dividend because this new Apple, this post-Steve Jobs Apple, is in the whole being a blue-collar stock instead of just a growth stock. Although they are growing too, but anyway. So Apple will pay a dividend of $0.52 cent per share on November the 12th, 2015. Um, Before we jump into the
0: next bit on the Mm -hmm. actual units, Um, they went through a stage of buying back a lot of their own shares. Are they still doing that or they they held back on that? They
1: are. No, they are. They reported that they had bought back... Oh, I didn't actually write the numbers into the show notes, but they they reported on how uh, how much of their $200 billion that they had planned they had done in terms of buyback and that kind of stuff. And they have returned, I think... My brain is saying 170 million out of the 200 million target has been – or 200 billion? Million? Billion? Must be billion. Uh, My brain is saying they've returned 170 out of 200 they had planned to over the course of the – I think it was a two-year plan.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So they certainly reported on the fact that they're still on schedule for giving back money to shareholders.
0: Yeah, because they're doing the, the, the double whammy. They're you know they're buying back their own shares to you know have a, a, a greater holding in their own company, and as putting a dividend out, which is something which you know.
1: Yep. So they're making each share more valuable because there's less of them in existence, and they're also giving you a dividend on the shares. So, you know, that's pretty good of them. Yeah, I'm sure Caroline is still not happy, but <laughs> leaving it aside. <laughs> So, Chuck, you said they sell a lot of stuff. Let's be a bit more specific on that. Uh, So, 48 million iPhones in the quarter, which is up from 39.2 million last year. And even 39.2 is a lot, but okay, 48 million iPhones in a quarter. Uh, They sold 9.9 million iPads, which sounds okay, except for the fact that they were selling 12.3 million this time last year. And in terms of Max, it's 5.5 last year, 5.7 this year, so I'll call that about the same. So iPhone up sharply, iPad down by a fifth. Can
0: can I stop can I stop you there?
1: Okay. <laughs> if
0: a company increased its sales by two hundred thousand units of a um probably uh, uh, quite a highly expensive piece of equipment, <laughs> they'd be jumping off the roof, shouting and cheering. <laughs> you said five point five, five point seven. Oh that's close enough. <laughs>
1: that's only four <4%. laughs> percent. Okay, it's true it's a lot of physical Macs, if, and the Mac probably has the highest let's put, margins.
0: Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If you, took, if you went back, what, seven or eight years, mm-hmm. and they had an increase of 5.5 million to 5.7 million Macs, the, the, the Mac ecosphere will be going crazy about this wonderful increase, yet again another wonderful increase in Mac sales. So it's funny how times they do a change.
1: Mm -hmm. I suppose it is, actually, because when you think about it, everyone's going about how the iPad is doomed, but they're selling about twice as many of those as they are Macs. (laughs) Yes. And they're selling five times as many of that in iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, it's 48 million versus 5.7 million, so it's almost, not quite, but approximately a tenfold difference. Certainly within physics, we'd say it's an order of magnitude, and we'd call it a day. But us physicists do like to fudge a little bit.
0: But but to but to, to my point, it's a two hundred thousand. If we, you know, two hundred thousand yes. is a lot of units to sell, extra in a quarter. So a lot of companies would be really really pleased with that.
3: True. I just I think it's quite interesting that the um, that the iPad sales are moving down towards the Mac sales number, because I think mm. we we've said many times on this um, podcast and probably others that. Um, that people treat them more like computers than, yeah. than devices you swap out every year.
1: Yeah, I think yes. the whole industry expected them to be like iPhones where we get a new one every two years, and that's not what reality says.
3: Yeah. So I'm not surprised the numbers of are reducing. Uh, I it'll also, be interesting, it'll no, be sorry, interesting to see
1: when the iPad Pro comes out what what effect that has upon it next year. Well, see. I think this number is deflated by lots of people like me sitting on our hands, waiting for the pro to come out.
3: Yeah, possibly.
1: Because ordinarily, I would have bought an iPad in that quarter.
0: Um, I, I th- yeah,
1: but not by three million. Um,
0: but I think, <laughs> <laughs> not okay, in fair a, point. Not in a quarter, um, but I think that you know, the, the iPad. Do you know we lo- Do you, the reason we love Apple is because the products that they make, especially the hardware, is absolutely top notch. It's cracking. And it lasts. Now, the the problem Apple have with that is, mm, hmm, replacement. (laughs) Yeah, it lasts. That's the whole problem. Um, And I think that's the thing. Most people, there's an awful lot of people out there with an older iPad. And do you know what? It does exactly what they need it to do. It Mm. surfs the web. It gets their emails does the twitter it does the facebook and they're perfectly happy with it and they don't need to replace it
1: well i'm being told to buy a new ipad by my darling beloved because i handed down my ipad one when i got the ipad four <laughs> so, and that sorry. ipad one is now starting to its battery is, is kind of had <laughs> it yes, yes. and so i have been ordered to buy but, a new ipad for myself so i can hand down the ipad Four.
0: but have you just heard what you said ipad
1: one i know yeah i know that's my point it is now dying but and I got that iPad from America before they were even released in Europe. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I, it's okay, they're, they're dropping, but
0: I don't think we've got any concerns about iPad sales, really. I think it's yeah. a completely new. I mean, there were touch screens and tablets around before the iPad came along, but the iPad made it a usable device, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and now it's, and that made it a completely new ecosphere. Yes, it's a computer, but it's a different type of computer. And I use mine differently to how you probably use yours as to um, um, Chuck, how he uses his and, and Nick and everybody. We all, we all have a different way of using these devices, definitely.
2: Mm. And, and Yes, I think you make a good point. We have different ways of using the devices, and therefore not every improvement that Apple makes is going to drive a sale. What mm. it, it it may improve the camera on the on the iPad, excuse me. And if you're shooting video with that, or you're using one of the you know the video frames with it um, to turn it into a little production studio, that may be the, you know, you can't wait to get your hands on it. For me, it it would be nice to have a better camera, but especially with the iPad, it's not like it makes that big a difference to me. Yeah.
1: I keep forgetting it has one the camera. Oh, there that you is. go. Yeah, there you go. I'm pretty sure my case covers it. I, I just I couldn't care less about the camera. What I want is a bigger screen, which is why I'm sitting on my hands waiting for a new one to come out. But you
3: can do really cool things with the camera. I mean, one of one of the pieces of software. I've, I mean, I've told you before that I I'm a musician. Hmm. Uh, um, I think it's. Uh, I might get this wrong. And someone someone may write in and say I've got it completely wrong. But I think it's called Pia Score. P I A Score. Right. Um, uh, uh, and it allows you to have. Sheet music on the iPad, oh. uh, and to turn the page, you nod your head, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant because the, 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 the bane yeah. of a pianist's life is having yeah. to turn pages. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. there is no, they don't, the composers don't put a gap where the page ends.
3: That's right, <laughs> That's they right, should. So. so the cameras can be used for all sorts of useful
1: things. Fair point, fair point. Actually, it has two cameras, not just one, it has two cameras I ignore. Yes. Anyway, also during the call, of course, so we get the numbers and then we get the other numbers and then we have the chit-chat bits. So during the chit-chat bits, Tim Cook dropped in just casually. Oh yeah, we have a 25 billion in enterprise business. Now I didn't say whether that was per quarter or per year, but either way, 25 billion is a significant enterprise business for a company that everyone assumes doesn't have an enterprise business. I guess it ties back to our IBM story at the top of the show.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bart, that, that's exactly where I was going with this. People act like some of these things are big surprises, and yet those of us that pay attention, you know, when you walk into any organization, of course you look around and see what kind of hardware they're using. Mm-hmm. Obviously not everybody uses Macs, but Macs are, are, are prevalent in a lot of places, and not just, sorry folks, not just the marketing or design departments of companies, but, you know, a lot of different places. So the, yep. they have a $25 billion in, billion-dollar enterprise business, uh, okay, You know, thank you for quantifying it, but it's not like a real real shocker, I didn't think.
1: Yeah, and Chuck, so you're saying Macs there, but remember there are 10 times as many iPhones on this planet as Macs, and if you wander around the average company and ask the average CEO to pull their phone out of their pocket, chances are pretty darn high it's an iPhone.
2: Yep, very fair point, very fair point. And you're right. Uh, Tim said that Apple, not, not Mac, but Apple, so that's iPad, that's iPhone, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Wow.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. Now, Tim also said something that everyone misinterpreted. So let me be very careful about how I phrase this. 30% of people replacing a smartphone with an iPhone were coming from Android. That's not 30% of people buying an iPhone. That's 30% of people who had a smartphone and then they bought another smartphone, which was an iPhone. It's still a nice number, but it's not 30% of the massive 48 million... Did he quantify that as being worldwide? I believe that's how he, I believe he was talking worldwide, but I that's don't have that in front of me right now. an enormous number, even saying that. Yes, but it's not the number everyone was reporting, because no. everyone took 30% of 48 million, and no. that's not yes. true. That's not what he said. Yes, agreed.
0: agreed. But that's still a massive number, I think.
1: Uh, I also just want to highlight in the show notes over at Let's Talk.ie there are two more links in there which I thought were worthy of including. There is a link to iMore who transcribed everything Tim said. So if you just want to get the Tim bits of the keynote without listening to the whole, uh, not the keynote, the earnings call without listening to the whole thing, iMore have you covered. And uh, Apple, as well as doing the phone conversation, also have to file paperwork. And VentureBeat decided to sacrifice themselves and read through their SEC filings, and they picked out 11 highlights from the Apple filing to the SEC. So those two links are in the show notes for anyone who wants more on this whole financial goodies. Any final thoughts from people before I move us on to the funner parts of the news, if you'll excuse me? Yeah, there was was some um, debate over... um,
0: the release of the latest iPhone and the fact that it uh, straddled two quarters, which, mm. um, you know, Apple rarely do things um, uh, just be, just for the sake of it. There's obviously a reasoning behind that. So uh, we'll probably understand a little bit more perhaps in the next quarter earnings call.
1: So they're basically spreading the love between
0: two quarters. So, yeah. Although have- the next quarter is obviously the holiday quarter, which oh. – you know, they normally have a bit of a boost, so it, that's what surprised some people, I think.
1: Uh, so maybe they were afraid of not having a record holiday quarter. So if they but, shifted yeah. a bit, then they're so guaranteed they, a record possibly, holiday quarter. Possibly. Hmm. Interesting. Or else the factory couldn't make them quick enough, and that was as soon as they could get out.
0: <laughs> it, could, it could be quite simple. Yeah, it, it, a genuine, actually, we want to make sure that we supply to the customer uh, base and that they actually get um, what we're promising.
1: And I have a feeling there were some shortages because Ireland have been a first-release country for many, many years, and we were not a first-release country for the iPhone 6S. Really? hmm You guys were, but I I had to wait a few weeks. So is it, That hadn't happened in a very long time, so it was interesting. Now, Apple released some new hardware. No keynote, no fanfare, just pop some stuff up on the website and release a, a, a press release. So the iMac lineup has been updated. So the 5K model already existed and just got a little bit of a tweak. But what came into existence for the first time is a 4K model, which is basically a retinized version of the 20.5 inch smaller iMac. So I believe I'm on record on another podcast as saying that the 20 inch doesn't interest me at all because it's just an iMac for people who can't afford an iMac. Uh, right. but i may be in a
0: minority <laughs> yes I, I i was uh i won't say spitting uh, but, <laughs> Shouting. but i, I, I was um, actually when when i saw the release of this i've kind of been waiting for this I went, yes and then i looked at the specs and what they've done <laughs> and i thought oh come on so yeah, um, I was I was elated and then slightly disappointed, and I've had to change my uh, my thought process on what I'm going to get. So. Um, what because a 27-inch in the current office that I'm in, although it would fit in quite adequately and it's quite a large room, it, it, it I just didn't want a 27-inch um, particular um, iMac. So that's why I was kind of waiting for this model. And uh, I think when you look at the specs, when you look at the pricing, uh, mm. you're, probably, you're probably better off if you can push uh, going for the 5K model or even... Even looking at the refurb store and going for the original 4K iMac, but I didn't. Sorry, 5K, you mean? No, the original iMac was the 4K model, wasn't it?
1: Well, no, there never. It hasn't been a 4K model until then. I
0: I thought the uh, original Retina iMac was 4K. Am I wrong there? No, it was
1: 5. They did the 5 first. Even more,
0: more, go for it, because uh, that original one that they brought out, um, uh, I, I think was an absolute, from what I've heard from other people, is an absolutely rock-solid model.
1: What makes me cranky is that I have always bought my... I've, been at, I've had many 27-inch... Well, not many. I've had 27-inch iMacs for many years, let's put it that way. And I have always bought them at around about the €1,800 Euro price point. And there's all, that's basically always had you at the bottom end of the 27-inch, but, you know, a good spec. And right now... That machine has just shrunk in size from 27 inches to 27.5 inches. So you can have, for lower prices, which I would never have bought anyway, you can have a 21-inch non-retina iMac. So for 1,300 euro or for 1,500 euro. And then the model I've always bought is now 21 inches 4K retina. And so the only iMac I'm even remotely interested in now has suddenly jumped up in price to 2,100, which is ouchy. And I'm cranky about that. I just think it's a really, uh, a
3: real shame. <laughs> this is going back even further. So, my first iMac was uh, 2007, mm-hmm. and it was 24 inch. I had that one too. <laughs> and I think that was the perfect size. In fact, when I replaced it, I replaced it with um, a Mac Mini yeah. uh, because it was more powerful. But I bought myself a 24 inch Dell monitor to go with it. Because I like 24 inches. It's not too big. It's not too small. Just right.
1: No, I'll take the 27, happily. (laughs) But what I won't do is spend 1,800 quid for a 21-inch computer. That's just... Yeah, that is a lot. No, sorry. Yeah, too much. So that basically means my next iMac is going to have to cost at least 2,100 euro, which is a lot of money. I don't really understand why they... uh, You know, sympathizing with
3: Gaz, I really don't understand why they had to sort of dumb down the... The 4K, 21-inch.
0: I I don't have a problem with it being uh, um, a 4K. Um, I don't have an issue with that at all, actually. Um, In fact, there was some expectation of it. I I think it's more... It was the other stuff, wasn't it? It's the other stuff. Some of the options and, you know, the memory and, the you know, uh, also uh, hard drives. I think they've been a little bit... um, They've been typically Apple. Let's not have a go at them. Right, yeah, okay.
1: Actually, good point here, Gaz, right? So the model I've always bought... The eighteen hundred euro-ish model. I mine has a three terabyte fusion drive. This one they're selling me with a one terabyte hard drive.
0: Yeah, yeah, but the, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, the, we could have quite a long conversation about this. so I don't know if you want we move could. on or not. Well, this, <laughs> well okay. This
1: is... So we self and yourself have been hugging the mic a bit. So, Chuck, what do you think? Well,
2: this is this is a this is a model that is just designed, I think, as. <sighs> It has some of the shiny new cool stuff, the 4K screen, so it looks fantastic, um, and that's a big selling point. But you know, if you, if you look under the hood at the specs, you obviously get more for your money when, when you step up to the 5K. But I, I think it's all about price and, and sales, and it's still going to be a serviceable Mac for not for us, not for anybody on this call, and probably not for many people, if any, listening to this, but for a lot of people. For the people that have you know a couple, a kid or two who you know just want to have a gorgeous screen and so they're going to put it in the kitchen and everybody's going to use it as a family computer, um, they're not going to stress it out uh, from either a, the storage. The storage is the one place that you can get a little shaky. Mm. Um, but as far as the actual processing power, the the memory, I, again, it's not going to be great. But I don't. I think this is another case of this one was not built for us. This was not even built for us to think about.
3: But sometimes I I wonder whether Apple are – we always used to say Apple were making great computers Mm. uh, and and we ended up – we have to pay a bit more for them and I quite understand that. But I sometimes wonder these days whether they're more driven by profit margin than they are by doing what's best.
1: Well, the continued existence—yeah—the continuous existence of the 16 gig iPhone, I think, proves that point very well. Yeah, I think it's
3: a shame because I think Apple could be better, and, and they'd still make all the money, but they just wouldn't make quite so much all the money.
1: Oh, sorry, I've just tried to con- to customize this this the lowest level of the 5K machine to make it three terabyte fusion drive, like I currently have just that one change brings it up to 2629 euro. Ooh. Ow. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I only have half a terabyte free of my 3 terabytes. Now, now to 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 be fair to to Apple
0: because um we you know we aren't slamming them a little bit but to be fair to them going back to what we said about the fact that they do make quality products, which last a long time. And one of the things that I said early on was the fact it's total cost of ownership. And something that I always do, always do some, something that I tend to do is also sell my older Mac or iPhone, And you, you can get an awful lot of money for those devices, which then brings your cost of ownership for the new device way down. But I must admit, if you're coming in fresh, it can seem, quite
1: a lot of money. See, the problem is I, I sell my old Macs to family members so I can't ask them for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Stop one doing of the, it, bad. Stop doing it. One so, other so, point I do want to make is that 8 gigs of RAM is actually not a bad entry point. That's actually fine. The thing yeah. is on those 21-inch machines what you buy is what you have for life because the yes. 21-inch yeah. model has no RAM slot whereas at least the 27-inch does have the ability to go to OWC and buy RAM at a humane price instead of sure. Apple's bloated sure. price. But,
3: but, but as you say, for the vast majority of people, eight, eight it is um, yeah. gig is going to be plenty,
2: and and that's and that's exactly my point. You know, you, Bart, how many how many well, how many average Mac users, whatever that means, you know, do of a, a, a RAM upgrade? I mean, come on, really.
1: Well, you know, my family I'll do because I upgrade the RAM and then I sell it to them. <laughs>
2: right. Well, you. But, but again, you know, the people out there that are buying it you know, as that family machine to sit on, sit in the kitchen, do, do they, even know, would they even know how to go about it?
0: And that's a fair, fair point. point, Chuck. That's a fair point, Chuck, because the 21-inch is probably aimed exactly at that market.
2: Yeah, mm. so you know, I I just I think that that unfortunately we as geeks tend to slam things a little bit because they aren't built for us, and so you know what what do you mean you can't upgrade the RAM? What do you mean you only have you know have this drive or that drive or, or this speed or that speed? If you're doing Photoshop – if you buy this machine to do Photoshop, then you've made a huge mistake. If you do buy it to do Final Cut, you've made a huge mistake. If you've bought it to watch youtube videos and you know maybe do a little word processing or a little bit of pages you've got a fine machine no you've
1: made a huge huge mistake you should buy. you should buy the ipad no you've made a huge mistake why are you buying a 4k mac if you're not going to do any video stuff on it like i don't see the point of buying a 4k mac if you're not into photography or videography then just buy the you know the cheap 1300 yeah and that's still available though
0: But Bart, you're thinking,
2: you're thinking like, here again, you're thinking like a geek. You walk in there and that beautiful 4K display is staring you in the face as opposed to the the other display. Man, you're going to go for that every
1: time. Possibly, but that makes, that brings you right back to these one terabyte hard disks. Not good enough. It's just for no use cases. It's just, ah. That one terabyte is the 16 gig. Anyway, let's I, move on. I think, I think you need a two-week interim show uh, on the iMac. <laughs> but... <laughs> it is the Mac I love most. It's the yes. Mac I spend 90% of my computing time on, I think. So, yeah, I do feel this one personally. Anyway, so we have those new iMacs. Think of them what you will. But we also have some new accessories for all of our Macs, although I guess this is mostly of interest to non-laptop users. So the uh, Magic Trackpad is quite old, and I know I've, I've been saying since the laptop started to get this new haptic feedback, fancy touch, you know, 3D touch style trackpad a few, well, it was a year ago now, I've been saying I want that in my, for my desktop. So Magic Trackpad 2 is out, as is for the first time ever a Magic Keyboard, which looks awfully like an unmagic magic Keyboard, by the way, but it is a Magic Keyboard, and we have a Magic Mouse 2 for those people who still believe in mousing. Uh, so these three products are all released. They are not, how would you say, cheap. Uh, the trackpad used to be. It used to be the case that you could buy a Mac and just toggle between Magic Mouse and Magic Trackpad, and the price would stay the same. But now the mouse is fifty nine. The mouse is seventy nine, but the trackpad is one twenty nine, and Apple will charge you the extra fifty dollars or whatever, euros, whatever currency you're working in, if you toggle that little toggle switch now. So, on the other hand, all three have charging via a lightning port, and the trackpad is very, very large, and is 3D touch sensitive and all that, and the keyboard is the keyboard. What do people think?
0: Um, I, I think I quite fancy a new trackpad. I'm not sure from what I've seen or what I've heard, and that's Mm -hmm. all I can go on at this point in time because I've not gone in to try them, that I'd be that interested in the mouse because I don't think it gives me anything much more uh, other than non-batteries than my current uh, Magic Mouse. Mm -hmm. And the keyboard, I like my keyboard with the numpad on and I'm quite used to that. And I'm also hearing that it's not, that brilliant but i haven't actually tried it myself so the only device that i am uh, keenly interested in is the slightly larger uh, trackpad so what do you use at the moment
1: cas for context
0: <laughs> in my left hand a trackpad in my right hand a mouse
1: okay okay right with the, the hand, keyboard in the middle and i do pad.
0: and i do find myself sometimes using the left hand over the right hand and interacting like that it's most odd
1: Okay, no, so for for context, I have the wired keyboard with the USB yes. ports yes. and the number pad which I yes, love to bits and will I'll... not change, ever. Uh, but I have a Magic Trackpad sitting next to it. Uh, and, and, and can trackpad. I just say,
0: you can still get that keyboard, I, I believe. I think the option is there to still get that keyboard.
1: Will it be the same shape as the new trackpad or will it... Uh, that I don't know. Yeah, because the thing is, so the, the existing wireless and wired keyboard are at the same angle as the, exi- as the old-fashioned True. Magic Trackpad, so they 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 If you put them next to each other, it looks like the keyboard has a trackpad attached to it. It's really that's yes. how I always have them set up. And that won't be true if we switch to this. There'll be a change of angle because this keyboard is flatter, as is this new Magic Trackpad. Very true.
2: I I think I, I have bought the Magic Trackpad too because I was most anxious to try the 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 uh, the force touch hmm. aspect of it. I I kind of echo what. What I uh, guess said about the the keyboard and the magic mouse too, um, okay, you know, really not horribly interested in those. I, I really like the magic Trackpad too. i I have quickly found myself getting used to the larger size. Uh, I think it adds another dimension to it. but all the kerfuffle that's happened here over the price of these things, I think people were overlooking the fact that they all come with now a rechargeable battery built-in. And yeah, okay. you know, so so it's not an A A B kind of thing. It's uh or excuse me, an A A kind of thing, it's mm-hmm. an A B kind of thing where you're not just buying that Magic Trek Pad two, but you're ma- buying the Magic Trek pad two and a rechargeable battery, of course, built in. So yeah, it's a it's a bit more, but I think in the long run it's it's for me it's worth it not to have to do the battery dance for between rechargeables or worse, pull, you know, regular batteries in and out of it and, and throw them in the trash which gets expensive and, you know, there are a lot of other reasons not to do it. So,
1: Yeah, now I'm thinking it's not worth my upgrading for my Trackpad 1, but the next time my Trackpad 1 breaks, and I break them a little more often than I would like because they have a physical click and that just wears out for me over time. So mm. I generally, mine generally lasts about two years. and I think this one's a year and a half old. So I'm expecting one of these days i will got a click and it just won't come back up after I click down. And then I'll buy the new one. But I'm expecting, actually, that there's more extra space than you think, because what I find is I can't use the top third of the sensitive bit of the trackpad one because the click is not very sensitive when you get closer to where it hinges on. Right. It's really hard to click those old trackpads near the top, even when you stay on the sensitive bit. And in this case, the entire trackpad is sensitive. The entire trackpad is now clickable because it's the fake haptic click. And it's also wider. So you're winning in every possible way with the area but it's a yeah, it. yeah.
3: I don't think I don't think I'll be buying any of them. Um, I have got around a battery swapping problem by buying an inductive uh, charging thing. I can't remember where I got it from. Ah. But it's based it, it's silver like mm-hmm. the uh, like the keyboard and the trackpad. Uh and you, uh, and you all you end up with is a is a tiny little in fact I've got my um trackpad in it at the moment recharging it um you just have a little bit that sticks out on the left hand side of the trackpad and that goes into a little circular bit on the end and, and then it charges my batteries up and, cool. and I can, i've got bat- similar batteries in the keyboard as well so the only thing i ha- of course haven't got is the um
1: touch thing mm. whatever it was called <laughs> OK, I've just realised the time, and we still have cool things to talk about, so I'm going to jump us on to the new Apple TVs, which have shipped and have arrived. So there is one sitting about three yards in front of me here right now. Uh, has, who else on the panel has uh, partaken of the goodies?
2: Uh, there's one in the next room waiting for me. Anyone yes, I've,
1: I've literally bought one today. Have you, have you got happy. to play with it yet, or is it still winging its way to you? Oh, no, no,
3: it's set up. Um, I haven't played with it much. I've just downloaded Plex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Gaz? Not yet. I'm Are you tempted? Back. Yes, I
0: am tempted. But I've, you know, I've heard, again, a few, not horror stories, but I've heard a few stories which you think, oh, come on, we really should be beyond that sort of thing now when it comes to um, putting in uh, passwords, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I, I think there's... A, I was quite disappointed with some of the delivery stories that I heard about, but that's that's not to denigrate the actual product itself. Um, but the two second stories you've got related to this with the apps that might be coming uh, is this, the third one in particular means I should definitely be um, partaking in one. But not not just yet. I'm just going to I'm just going to wait for a little bit.
1: Okay, and to save the to save the listener's suspense, um, the other two stories I had in there that Plex has come to the Apple TV, and since it's already installed on some of our uh, devices, that that's obvious enough. And BBC have announced that their iPlayer is coming to the Apple TV, which for British customers is a huge deal because BBC iPlayer absolutely rocks. Yeah. So for me, actually, so I I'd just I just say I, I I got it. I was really happy with it. I thought that the whole hold the phone near it to set it up thing was absolute bloody magic so when you turn it on it asks you would you like to set this device up manually or would you like to use a device if you'd like to use a device turn on the bluetooth and put it near the apple tv a little thing pops up on your iphone that says do you want to allow this iphone to set up this apple tv you click yes your wireless password is just sent over your phone then asks you for your apple id password and for your itunes password if they're different and then you type those in on the comfort of your phone, and they get beamed over Bluetooth into the Apple TV, and ta-da, you're up and running. I was really impressed with that.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I've heard some differing stories about that bit of the process, either manual or that automated process. So I'm glad that you've said that, because that gives me more confidence again. Into the yeah, it, yeah and...
3: mine... Go on, so, if... Sorry, my, mine didn't work first time. Oh. Um, but... All I'd have to do was try again.
1: <laughs> and it okay. worked the second time. Yeah, mine didn't work the first time either, but that was entirely my fault because while plugging in the Apple TV, I had accidentally unplugged my router to the internet. And the Apple TV quite rightly told me it could not access the internet. <laughs> uh, so right. when I undid my mistake, it worked much better. It worked first time.
3: No, my, mine literally just said, no, no, I can't do this. And uh, so I just, I removed my iPad from near my uh, mm-hmm. and, and and then tried again. And the second time it worked fine.
1: Interesting.
2: And, and I had the same experience you did, Bart. You know, just, okay, I'm following the instructions, put my phone up, and it, 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 was, it was amazing. It, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, why didn't somebody think about this before? And, and I have to sound like an Apple fanboy. It, it's one more reason for you to think about going into the Apple ecosystem because yes. we're going to see more and more of this kind of interaction between devices to simplify
0: your life. And can I, So can I ask the question, as I'm the only person without one, mm-hmm. uh, what size memory did you all go for?
1: Whatever the smallest is. I don't remember what it was. I went that one. 64. Uh, 60. Yeah, I went for the
0: 64
1: too. Okay, so mine must be 32 then. <laughs> yes, that's correct. My iPad is 32 and I don't fill it up, so I figured this will be fine. Yeah, so actually, just I guess I'll just describe what I'm using it for. So I have all of my movies and TV shows and stuff sitting on a Linux file server. And the way I have been accessing them on my telly up until now is that I have my Mac configured with a great app called Air Video HD so it connects to the file server and then it makes them available over the network. I then had an app on my iPhone which would connect to my Mac which would connect to the file server which I could click play on and then AirPlay that to the Apple TV which meant that the amount of times the same bit of media was flying through the air in different directions was ridiculous. <laughs> They're absolutely ridiculous, which also meant that no one else, you know, it just it wasn't a good idea over Wi-Fi. So now I just turn on the Apple TV. I installed the AirPlayer HD app. The TV now reaches directly to my Mac to grab the media, and that's that. It's just so much nicer. So as far as I'm concerned, that app works. I don't care about anything else. I'm not going to play games in it. I just don't care. I now have all of my media on my big Linux server with 10 hard drives, all available on my telly with a cool remote. So, Excellent. What are others doing?
2: I've I've uh, I have Plex running on um, a Mac here. I'm I am having a little bit of trouble because Plex says it needs an update for the Apple TV, or excuse me, the Apple TV says the Plex server needs an update. I'm having a little trouble getting that update accomplished. Hmm. But the the look of the Plex server is is absolutely gorgeous, um, and of course, you know, being able to airplay anything over to it is 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 just as good as the first one if not better so i'm i'm enjoying it i'm I'm really liking the uh, i'll take you bart i don't know if you want to go there yet but Mm -hmm. the new remote took me about three minutes to get used to and then i realized just how great it is um you you almost have to remember that oh okay you you have you you have a, a trackpad now that you can click um and so you know that's I don't know why that was so difficult for my thumb to get used to. But once it did, it's like, man, I can fly around this thing so much faster and easier than the other way. And Gaz, to your point about some of the horror stories out there about putting in passwords and all, I don't know. I I, I just – I don't think it's that big a deal. I, oh. I, I, it's – you know, if you don't have a keyboard, then this is not a bad option.
1: I think actually it comes – it's a very analog thing. So depending on how hard you swipe, you slide further and back over the linear, key, the linear alphabet. And once you get a feel for that by the, by the way you swipe, you can just jump to letters straight away. It's infinitely quicker than going click, 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 select. Click, 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 select. Mm -hmm. Now, I had a big Twitter war yesterday with a bunch of people who said, no, 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 I want a grid where I can click up and down. No, you don't. You just need to get dexterous with this swipey thing and you will absolutely fly along. Everyone instinctively knows which letter comes in which direction from which other letter in the alphabet because we've all been listing things alphabetically our entire lives. I was just astounded at how intuitive this keyboard is. I love it to bits. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. One
2: just, thing it's, actually, it's,
1: before we move off the rem- before we move off the remote, one thing I I do find so actually using it is really intuitive, but because the buttons are in the middle and there's two blank bits, I keep picking it up upside down and swiping on the bit that's not a bloody swipey bit. <laughs> yes, I did that to start with as well.
2: <laughs> but I think that's also uh, the, the two the finishes of the two areas are completely different and i think it's a, it's just going to take a little time to remember oh that's what the uh, the trackpad surface feels like and reorient it in your hand automatically
1: yeah i it, 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 it's not like i'm swiping for long as soon as i put my thumb in it's like oh that's not right and then i turn it around right. but i do always seem to manage to pick it up backwards <laughs> i don't know why they should wait make one hand should be heavier or something any other thoughts from anyone Right, quick. We haven't even mentioned the fact that you can talk to it. Do you know that I haven't it's, even it's tried? It's a
2: Siri remote. Oh my gosh, you'll you'll love it. It's it's great. And you know, everybody was worried about this, and Apple was brilliant in. Okay, you have to hold the button down to talk to it, but that means no extraneous noise. It's only listening when you want it to listen, and because it's in your hand, of course, it's in close proximity to you. Mm. So, I, and I found it to be great. I've, I'm starting to learn to launch apps without. Even going to find them, just you know, push the button and launch Plex and bang, it's there.
1: Ah, okay. Maybe I do need to start pushing the button. I just don't like talking to myself. <laughs> uh, I,
3: I, find, I find that I always seem to be able to find some way of saying something that Siri doesn't understand. So uh, British perhaps, accent. That's perhaps is. I just don't read the instructions properly or something, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. But I tried at least two things that it, that it just said, wow, I've no idea what you no idea what you just said. <laughs> so um, perhaps I expect it to be too clever.
1: OK, well, uh, unless anyone else has any thoughts, I'm going to move us along to our last of the main stories, which is sort of a um, meta story. I just... There were lots of little stories all related to security and I thought, well, I think we need to talk about this as a unit. So I'm going to read out the stories and then we can sort of jump back to it in pieces. So Tim Cook did an interview on NPR and he made a big point of explaining the importance of encryption from Apple's point of view. Apple then came out against the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act in the United States Congress. Tim Cook then used his stage time at the WSJD Live conferency thing to yet again, blast the concept of encryption backdoors. Uh, there was an interesting article on Macworld, actually, that tied a lot of this together. that explains how Apple security works. It's, it's titled, Apple can't decrypt your iPhone, why it matters. And I would recommend people read that article, which is in the show notes at let talkie And then the last story that I think made it so we really had to talk about this was a new security exploit brokerage company decided to make a name for itself by offering a $1 million bounty for an iOS 9 hack. And they paid out. And what this means is... So this company is part of a legal but morally bankrupt system where corporations pay people for exploits, which they then keep secret from the company who sought where the exploit is in, and sell it to governments and other people that are supposedly trustworthy. And basically... They, they paid a million bucks for an exploit That they are going to sell to governments to spy on people And they're going to hide that exploit from Apple So Apple cannot protect us Therefore we are all insecure And I don't know how these people can sleep at night So any, any thoughts on all of this or, or indeed more generally It just bears <laughs> out What I believe about a lot
3: of companies Is that the morality doesn't come into it Which is very sad But true
1: I guess again, contrast. Sorry, Chuck.
2: Yeah, no. Realistically, how long is this is this exploit going to remain in place? I mean, I, I'll be shocked if they sell any of these, unless somebody is just figuring that it's it's going to be worth it for you know a, a few a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Because I just don't believe, in the first place, I don't think that it can be kept secret for very long. I could be okay, wrong. Okay. Well,
1: that, the but. expectation in the in the security community. Um, the Actually, the article linked in the show notes is to Tidbits, which is by Rich Mogul. And Rich Mogul is a security guy with a strong Mac and Apple focus. So he's actually very good authority on these things. The, expected, the way this tends to go is if you have a real nugget, like something you're going to pay a million quid for is a real nugget. The way you would do it is that you would use it sparingly so that Apple are not going to see it. So in other words, you would sell it to the likes of the CIA who would use it to target five or six high-profile people. And they will do as little as possible with it for as long as possible so that no one sees it in action, but they get really high-value targets with it. Which has the flip side of, well, that means that you, I, and most normal human beings are not at risk from this unless someone else independently rediscovers the same vulnerability. And that's the way these things would tend to get patched, that someone else discovers the bug, they use it heavily, the security companies find out about it, it gets patched, and then the expensive exploit that's been used by three-letter agencies for years without anyone noticing goes dark. That's kind of how these things had to go.
0: So, h- having said all of that, but, mm-hmm. and even with that, that last note, and even before you just made that last uh, statement, how I feel about all of this, I still feel that I've got probably one of the most secure phones and operating systems out there.
1: You do. It's, it's just yeah. not perfect. I, and
0: I wouldn't, ex- if we were perfect, what a different world that would be.
1: Yeah, which is never going to happen of course because sure. humans write software sure. humans make mistakes software has mistakes correct so
0: so i you know, and i think i agree with what you've just said and you know <sighs> nick yeah there are companies like this out there all the time and you know are, are apple you know showing uh the rest of the world the way that you can go forward as a company but to say that actually i've worked for a few companies now and they have a lot of ethical stance and um uh, policies in place which you have to sign up to so they're not all bad but the real no. bad ones make make it you know a bad soup for the rest of the, the rest of the folks
1: but this is effectively arms dealership yeah yeah this this is you are selling a weapon it's a different kind of weapon what it is it is very weapony
0: if if i was the sort of person that was uh you know possibly are going to be targeted by uh, MI5, CIA, you know, any of these uh, NSA, all any of these security, uh, that, um, high-profile government uh, security companies, then I'd be concerned.
1: <laughs> if I was a Chinese dissident, oh, I'm, I'm not. I'd be concerned. I'm not, and I'm not concerned. <laughs> yeah, if you're politically yes. active in places that don't like that, that's all. You know, you're also the kind of person who this kind of thing would be used against. So, the, yeah, Chuck, you've been very quiet on this one.
2: I I don't know Bart. I guess I have too practical a, a position on this. Okay,
1: well give um, us the practical.
2: Well, the practical is that none of us have the privacy that we would like to think we do. You know, I, I, I'm not anxious to see iOS compromised in, in, any more than it probably already is, mm. because I just, I believe there's things out there that, you know, not that, and I don't believe Apple would be cooperating with it, but you said it at the beginning, you know, software's written by humans, humans make mistakes, therefore. And so, you know, I, I, I think this is another one of those things, again, that you started out by saying that you know, the company decided to make a name for itself. Mm. Somebody decided to, to buy it because maybe it, it could be useful for a limited amount of time on a limited amount of targets and so kind of everybody wins except those limited number of targets but you also know that apple is not going to be happy about this Mm -hmm. and they're going to work diligently to discover the exploit on their own one way or another and fix it and then somebody else will bring an exploit out somebody else will pay a million dollars and we start the cycle over
1: yeah, so there actually there's there's two things actually. We should focus on the million dollars bit because that million dollars is is a big number and it's 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 a number designed to catch the media and it's sure. designed to catch the media for two reasons. So, or rather, I deduce two things from it. Uh, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I so I think I'm onto something here. So the first thing is this is a new company who want to make a name for themselves. They're entering a competitive market. So even if they can't make their million back, the amount of advertising they have bought for themselves by doing this is so big that it was worth every cent anyway. Also, the reason people are prepared to pay a lot of money for iOS exploits is because they're so bloody hard to get. So in a strange and twisted way, we should be happy that it's so expensive to get an exploit for iOS because actually that shows it's quite a solid, quite a robust, quite a strong OS. So there's a silver lining. Very good. Good point. Okay, I am going to quickly wrap us up with some quick stories. So Apple are offering restricted stock units to all Apple employees. If you work for Apple, I think this is going to make you very happy. For the rest of us, I guess it just shows that Apple has a positive opinion of itself and thinks that it's going to do well, and then it's rewarding its staff by giving them stock rather than punishing them by giving them a stock that's going to be worthless. Uh, Apple Music has 6.5 million paying customers. That's a lot less than they sell iPhones. But on the other hand, there's still 6.5 million people paying Apple once a month for their music, so that's not nothing. The iWork, iWork apps have all gotten some TLC, and iWork for iCloud has finally, after many years, exited the beta phase. Uh, I'm although, pleased about that. Yeah, maybe people yeah. Yeah. use it now.
3: I, 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 I think I've told you before I had mm-hmm. problems with iWork doing something very strange when I tried to email links to people yeah Uh,
1: it's fixed so i'm happy (laughs) excellent Uh, any of you who have a macbook a retina macbook pro where the anti-reflective coating has become anti-transparent and really quite disgusting looking apple have finally acknowledged that this is a real problem in their product and now they have a, a a program for getting it fixed it's a reactive rather than a proactive program but nonetheless if you have one of these macbooks that have gone absolutely hideous looking because the anti-reflective coating has gotten completely hosed there is some hope for you now Apple are dealing with it properly as they always should have finally the Steve Jobs movie came out but there was too much real news so I sort of left it out of the show notes so <laughs> that brings us to the end of a rather long show Folks, uh, let me see. So first off, just to say to everyone, there are detailed show notes of everything we talked about and sources for all these stories over at lets-talk.ie. While you happen to be there, there's three now blue buttons in the sidebar to help you support the show. So the Patreon button that's always been there is still there. And to all of you who support the show on Patreon, I just want to say thank you very much again. Honestly, the Patreon donations are what makes it possible for me to keep doing this show because every month's bills come in, every month's Patreon contributions come in, and I can take one and pour it into the other. It's fantastic, and if that wasn't there, it would be much harder for me to keep doing this. So you guys... You guys support the show, literally, and I really appreciate it. So thank you very much to everyone who is a Patreon supporter. If you're a listener, you enjoy the show, and you think, oh, actually, that sounds like a good idea. I could give Bart, like, 50 cent or a dollar for every show he manages to put out. Then Patreon is definitely the way to go. And that's the first of the uh, big blue support the show buttons. The other button is a very straightforward PayPal button. It does what it says in the tin. And PayPal donations are always appreciated, Bear in mind the way PayPal fees work. If you donate $1, I get like $0.20 of it, and PayPal get $0.80 of it. Whereas, so... If you think, oh, I'll do a monthly PayPal donation of a dollar, that is actually giving PayPal lots of money and it's just really wasting money for you. So I would say, please consider Patreon instead. That's why they work. They collect all of those small amounts and at the end of the month do one PayPal transaction. So there's one set of fees and it works out that everyone is actually getting value for money. That, that's why the Patreon is so good. And then finally, the third new button is the merchandise page. And some of you have been buying uh, some of the nice coffee mugs that I designed up. So basically, it's a Zazzle store. You get a cool mug that has our logo on it. Uh, I get a commission from Zazzle for selling the mug. It it supports the show twice. Once because there's actually a dollar amount. It's about $6 per item you buy comes to me. And secondly, it means you're wandering around advertising the podcast at people. And I like that. So uh, that's a really good way to support the show twice. Okay, that's enough begging. Uh, As I say, the links are in there at let's-talk.ie. Now, panellists, without you guys, this show would be really very boring. So thank you very much for giving of your time. So in reverse order, Nick, thank you. And do you want to let people know where they can find you? Uh, Yes, sure.
3: Uh, You can uh, follow me, if you wish, um, uh, uh, on Twitter. and My Twitter name is spligosh,
0: S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H.
1: Excellent. Gaz. Ever so
0: easy. Uh, Gazmaz.com on the Twitters. Twitter.com forward slash Gazmaz, G-A-Z-M-A-Z. And I do a weekly podcast with a uh, partner in crime, Mr. Guy Searle. And we are the MyMac podcast. And we call ourselves the G-Men. So go over and have a a listen to a lighthearted look at uh, our week's um, thoughts on Apple and the Mac and uh, you probably hear a few other bits as well.
1: And if you're wondering what the guys are like, if you stay tuned for another about 30 seconds or so after my jingle, there will be a little bumper for Gaz's show at the end of the show, because Gaz is also on the Stoplight Network, along with this show. Right. And their bumpers are pretty zany, and that's what their show is like, too. It's, it's a light-hearted and fun look at all things Apple. Uh, finally, Chuck...
2: Yes, you can find everything going on with me at macvoices.com, and you can follow me on Twitter as Chuck Joiner. And I want to put a plug in for Bart's show notes. Bart does an amazing job yes. with his show notes, folks. So if you have interest in what we talked about, definitely visit his site, check out the show notes, and support the show.
0: Here, here, because i tell you what, I mean, we put some show notes in. They're never, ever as comprehensive as yours, Bart, and there are shows out there which just don't do any show notes and – it's a nightmare so yes well done here here
1: thank you guys actually speaking of saying nice things chuck i believe you have been a podcaster for a decade now so congratulations uh actually to
2: be absolutely correct uh a little over a decade but uh mac voices and mac notable's both turned 10 in october of this year so uh those shows are 10 years old yes well,
1: congratulations Look, that's that takes serious commitment um, 10 years is a long time so uh...
2: or, or insanity I'm not sure which
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, given actually the frequency that you put stuff out you must be in very high show numbers
2: uh, honest honestly I do not know. I've got to do a roll up because people keep asking that. I really have no idea how many shows have been out because of course I've, over the years I've transitioned from audio shows over to video yeah. and there was, you know, cross there, were, there were crossovers in there. So I, I, if I'm going to put a number out, I want it to be accurate. That's going to take a little while to piece it all together.
1: <laughs> lots of money. You have lots of yes. many shows. Anyway, thanks very much you guys. Um, let's call it a day. So, uh, I've been your host, Bart Buchatz. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network.
0: So, guess... Sorry, I'm just boogying <laughs> poos- poos- out to that. You well, know, that's playing, I'm shaking my ass. Ass? Mm. <laughs> I'm shaking my ass. Ass. I'm shaking <laughs> my ass. My ass? I'm sorry. Guys joke. <laughs> 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 Guys joke. <laughs> Mostly clean. <laughs> I do have a tip for you. It's a very, very quick one. That's what we've been going on about, nothing. Oh, no change there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: I'm Can
3: I do this again. tip? I'll be,
2: yes, I'll be quiet now. Daz's tips, guys, jokes only. Thank goodness. On the My Mac podcast.